With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Troy Noons is an Absolute Podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Casillo, and with me today is Dan Lyons. Hello, everyone. Happy Syracuse is winning all the sports now week. Yeah, happy happy we can watch football again and it's fun week. Happy we can watch basketball again and it's fun week. Happy um, the New York Mets win all the postseason awards, but none of the things that matter week. None of the games. <laughs> none of the games, oh. just the awards. <laughs> usually dictated by games won. No, we're smart now, so we don't we don't judge baseball by these things. Yeah, it's, I think wins, that I wins, actually wins I think is that such I an outdated metric. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's gonna be the Mets. The Mets are gonna be post wins next year. We're all about experiences here in Queens. <laughs> yeah, the Mets have the highest per game experience of any team in the majors. <laughs> that that's true. That's been true for a long time. This is also fair. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll leave that Mets foray, uh, there. Um, I didn't expect Mets Dan, to come up first, but here we are. <laughs> as always. Um, why don't we talk Syracuse men's basketball? Um, sh- shortly after I wrote an article, uh, telling everyone to, uh, kind of keep it in their pants on the, uh, Joe Girard situation. Um, we basically had the Joe Girard game, uh, the, uh, the freshman point guard uh, was seven of eight from the uh, from the floor. He was five of six from three, five of five from the line. Had five rebounds, two assists, two steals. Um, also had three turnovers and three personal fouls for the people that decided to pay attention to those statistics. But in any case, um, yeah, this uh, this experience with him as a starting guard uh, has looked pretty good. Uh, we got to see some extended time with Dolzhai at the five, and we'll see probably more of it, uh, which was a lot of fun. Um, Dan, I know that like the Seattle game was kind of um, A, streaming only, B, not really all that exciting, um, and C, coming right on the heels of the uh, the men's uh, well, not men, but football game um, on Saturday. But uh, what were your kind of early takeaways um, after a resounding win that definitely looked nothing like the games that we saw to this point? Um, I, I mean, I really enjoyed the full, I, I mean, it really, I think the basketball game started before the football game actually ended. So it was a real nice, uh, just what, like five or six hours of Syracuse winning things. Um, I, I enjoyed, uh, the fact that I think after he had five points, I put in slack, like, oh, Joe Gerard's in a store 30 after, uh, after all of us were like cautioning everyone to calm down. And he like, you know, the offense, I think did flow better with him the first couple of games, but it wasn't anything like crazy. And then of course he has this awesome shooting night and, and Seattle is Seattle. I don't know how good the Red Hots are going to be long term, but um, I think even in the start, like the offense, just there was something that looked different and more uh, coherent about it with him in. Um, now I wasn't ready to sell on Jalen Terry like just off the bat, like after you know two iffy games. But obviously, Beheim uh, saw what he needed to see and made that move, which he, you know, I think his, his him making starting lineup changes is not like a super common thing to be uh, in general. Uh, he's pretty reticent to do them. Um, so to put in a freshman like that, I think you know did signal that there was something more 
um, than even we could see in the first couple of games. And Gerard paid it off pretty quickly with the really lights out shooting performance. I think there are obviously still things to build on. Um, defensively, I think he's still kind of an adventure. And that's not really a knock on him as much as it is like guards are not good in the zone in the first year. That's pretty standard. Um, and obviously he's a little bit undersized for like our usual like sits five uh, rangy guard thing. But, you know, you can get by with that. We've seen plenty of good smaller guards uh, play the zone well if they're active and they're, you know, getting in passing lanes and whatnot. So um, I wouldn't go out and expect uh, 20 points per game from Gerard. I think as long as he's knocking down open shots and keeping the offense moving, uh, we should be pretty happy. Um, I'm, I'm not totally convinced that we're going to just not have Jalen Terry play. I'm not convinced that um, we don't need to see a little bit more from Bryson Gooding, uh, just because I, I, you know, I think, uh, when you have a young backcourt, um, and one that could have some defensive issues, like there are going to be games where we need, um, a little more, uh, from those guys. So, but for now, I mean, I think the move obviously paid off in the short term and we'll, we'll see, uh, how it progresses. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great to see Carrie play no minutes, um, today, shortly after, uh, Beheim said there are no short leashes um on this team which <laughs> jim <laughs> like, come jim, on bud. none of us have none this is none of our first years watching this team like every single year there are short leashes for guys and i get like you don't want to say that like i i get not wanting to admit that because like you could probably be used against you in recruiting or whatnot but come on like yeah don't say like, like, just don't address it yeah just just yeah don't address it like a guy who had a short leash his first year, not as short a leash as Carrie has had, but Deion Waiters is on campus. And like Deion Waiters freshman year, I think he averaged between three and five. I'm not looking this up, but I think he averaged like mid single digits and was getting pulled from games pretty quickly and had a couple like bench blowups. Like he had a short leash and obviously it worked out for him. And I think hopefully um, some of the things we've heard from Carrie have been positive. I think he had a, you know, kind of like a defiant, but in a good way tweet today where, you know, he pretty much said he's not transferring. So I think that's great. Hopefully he gets the message and, like, does whatever he needs to do in practice that Beheim brought up um, to kind of get his way back into this rotation. Um, and for some guys, that totally works. For some, it doesn't. Like, people get coached different ways. Um, but to say you don't have a short leash, I've never had a short leash, is absolutely hilarious. It's, like, one of the funniest things Beheim's ever said. Yeah, Jim is definitely fooling himself there <laughs> a little bit. Um I know you mentioned Gerard's um, defense a little bit, and I think that was something you and I and everybody really talked about coming into the season was just like defense was kind of going to be an adventure to some extent, um, but that was what the early part of the season was for, to figure out a bit. Um, I think for me, something that is definitely, like I think now, and this is kind of what I was cautioning against in the piece last week, that like people have really kind of ramped up the hype train on this team now. And I, I and on this team and, and, and on Gerard in particular. And like I I, w- I would caution everyone, not that I, I wanna like throw, you know, some cold water on, on this team, but like look at what Seattle did in the previous games and look at how bad they've been on defense in the previous games and look at the fact that um, you know, Pacific Oregon, uh D three team. Um, put up 81 on them. Like, this is not, it's not to say that like SU isn't that good, but it is just to caution everyone that like Seattle's not that good <laughs> and and beating them in, in, in this fashion um, is something that Syracuse is supposed to do. So I, I would say just let's, let's give it a couple more games. It's not to say that, that Gerard didn't show real things 
um, in this game and, and hasn't changed the the tenor of the offense and, and the speed and, and just the, the the flow of the offense. He's definitely done all that. But, you know, l- l- let's maybe wait a few more games and see um, kind of how he continues to transform this offense and gets into the flow of the college game. Because, you know, he's going to have an off night, um, but, you know, really good to great players, how they, how they deal with those off nights uh, is, I think, what comes to define them more than, than maybe these, like, you know, one or two night outbursts where they can't miss from outside. I mean, I, I just don't think we want anyone to then, like, freak out if Gerard, you know, has a, a one-for-eight shooting night against an ACC team and, like, just doesn't look good and, like, can kind of not barely even stay on the floor and behind me to make a move because, like, that's going to happen. That's, that, that's like, the freshman year experience um, for, like, a non-one-and-done type player, and he's not that. I, I expect Joe Gerard to probably be here for uh, the majority of his – for three or four years minimum. Um, so – yeah, it's it's uh, it'll be interesting to see. It's the hype train. Like I think we probably could have all expected it um, if Gerard was going to get these kind of minutes. I think this was gonna inevitably come. Um, it is funny that it's come for him when it didn't even really come for Buddy Beheim. But I think, you know, I don't think we all expected Beheim to be what he what he has turned out to be, like a really solid ACC starter um, pretty early in his career. I think we all expected him to maybe develop more slowly versus Gerard, who um, I think. Uh, th- like those of us who are more cautious probably expected him to be a more of a slow developer, but obviously he comes in with this like upstate le- athlete legend thing that that even Buddy Beheim didn't really bring to the table despite his last name. So um, it's it's going to be interesting. Uh, I just hope that we don't expect him to be you know Jerry McNamara the entire season, just because that's really unfair uh, to put on him. And you're just kind of setting yourself up for disappointment if like this season ends up being kind of shaky because this is. Uh, you know, a relatively young team, not a super young team by college basketball standards. But right now we're, you know, now our starting backcourt's a true freshman who most people didn't expect to be a huge contributor this year and a true sophomore who, uh, you know, had a really nice end of last season, but is still uh, not not a finished product by any means in Buddy. So um, it's, it's and then our entire bench is basically uh, freshmen or, or, you know, guys who don't have a ton of playing time behind, uh, you know, under them. So, it's it's going to be a, a process, and more of a process than it's looked like the last two games. Yeah, I completely agree. And again, like Colgate's definitely a better team than, than Seattle. I think what we saw from Syracuse against Colgate, um, maybe I wouldn't say completely indicative of what we're going to see in non-conference play, but probably more indicative of what we're going to see in non-conference play. Um, I know somebody else we should definitely focus in on. While I I, I think there's plenty of time this season to talk about Dolajai and and the fact that he. Um, he scored 19 points, but obviously, again, against Seattle, um, I thought he looked very good. I, I thought he, again, could definitely play some more minutes at the five. Um, the guy that I'm definitely uh, more excited about and we could see a lot of growth from this season is, uh, you know, Quincy Garrier. Yeah, just 17 minutes. So I think he should probably – he's probably going to see that number lift up over time. Um, zero personal fouls, which awesome. Uh, just one turnover, one block, but seven rebounds, um, eight for 14 from the line three of five uh, field goals. I think he's somebody who I know there was that one, like almost world ending dunk um, that he, he nearly connected on in the first uh, half. And in general, his athleticism, um, you know, he can jump out of the gym and he's somebody that you're probably going to see uh, play significantly more minutes um, over time. I don't know where exactly. I think it depends on who plays the five, but 
he's somebody who I think we're going to see come along quite a bit this year. And I'm excited to see him, even if it is in the six man capacity, you know, he could fit into one of those uh, Chris Joseph type seasons where, you know, he quietly kind of puts together like a 13 to 15 point night uh, while, you know, wowing with some highlights in the process. I'm really interested to see what this front court rotation ends up looking like because I think Marek has done a play, um, maybe not the 37 minutes that he played for some reason in this game, but um, probably around 35 a game. And I think the offense, he's he, his ball handling and his passing is going to become more essential because I, I don't know that – I think Gerard's actually run the offense really nicely, but I'm I'm not sure he's like the pure point guard we, we expected to, to be rolling with. So – Dolzhai's ability to kind of create from the high post and and honestly like looks like a much more confident ball handler in general. He, that that uh the play he had, he went toast to toast and had that nice dunk was was really impressive. Um and then he's maybe the best passer on the team. So it, it's gonna be hard to get him out of there. But I I really enjoy that we can kind of play him at the four or the five and, and get these different looks. Um I think uh, Barama has looked, you know, really solid. Not, you know, maybe not the the 13 rebound every game guy, but um, he's storing more than we've had from our bid men in a while. He's he's sitting at like seven and seven. And honestly, if we get that for the full year, which I, I don't expect, but if he's somewhere around that the full year, like that's a that's great. Um, converting pretty much all of his shots. Um, the free throws are are not good, but I guess we've come to expect that from our centers. But if if he's you know giving us twenty three minutes and seven point seven rebounds and maybe a little bit more uh, on the shot blocking area uh, on the shot blocking end of things and isn't getting in like crazy foul trouble. I think we'd all sign for that. Um, obviously Elijah is going to be our, our stalwart who's playing, you know, three, two or three. Um, I think his back, uh, back into the zone really underrated almost has like a West Johnson. And this goes back to last year, like almost a West Johnson type of ability to come off that weak side and, and block shots, which uh, really helps. Um, and then Darius, I think he's just super talented. Uh, I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the floor as the year goes along. Uh, the most athletic player on the team, um, I'm almost a little surprised how slowly we've we've kind of brought him along, but um, even like game two to game three, I thought there was a pretty big significant leap there. So uh, really excited to see where he ends up looking like in like February because I think it'll be a really confident player and and someone who's who's going to be hard to keep off the floor. But I do think we have some like real options based on the matchup, which is nice. Yeah, I completely agree. I think there's a lot of interesting things you can do. Um, you know, in the two through four positions at this point. Um, again, I, I know. You know, Kevin Wall's pushed for uh, Deljai at the five for a while now, and I think we're actually going to see a little bit more of it, um, especially as Gerard kind of trend this a little bit smaller. Um, interesting that this team is probably our worst free throw shooting team in a while, um, especially given like the amount of shooters on it. I do find that a little weird. Um, I know recent SU teams have actually shot the ball better from the line um, than SU has, has historically. Um, I'm not really sure why, <laughs> because it's, I wouldn't say that like, you know, like the Andrew White, like John Gillen team have any like better shooters top to bottom than this one does. Um, but for some reason, yeah, I think like recent trends have, have put, pushed SU above its historical averages. This team might actually trend down back the other way. And not that I'm happy about that, but I feel like the teams that are actually worse at the line have been better overall. So maybe that holds. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Like, I think uh, just looking at the numbers, like I think when we need to get free throws, we're going to get fouled. I, I have... 
I have a lot of confidence that uh, A. Elijah is going to shoot better than the five for eight he started. Um, but I think Buddy and Gerard will be pretty knocked down. I think Morak is a solid free throw shooter. Um, he hasn't done enough to a great start there, but I'm not super worried about it. Um, Barama's not very good, which is an issue because they can get him to the line when they need to. Um, but we've gotten to the line a fair amount, I feel like. Uh, the Virginia team, I think no one really did, but... But since, like, the fact that Dolajai and Derrier are both uh, over 14, 14 and 15 apiece um, is pretty uh, impressive, especially, you know, Quincy hasn't played that much. He has 15 free throw attempts in uh, in just 43 minutes. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like, the Virginia game, definitely don't take – you and I kind of said this, too. Like, I wouldn't take anything from that game, really, <laughs> like, on, on from for either team, but especially Syracuse. Uh, I don't think it's worth taking anything from that. I know on the year – he was averaging – they had 55 free throw attempts in three games. So that averages out to well, – I mean, it's less than 10 per game, but I think realistically, like, you have to look probably, again, more towards the Colgate and uh, Seattle games for what the average is going to be versus what we saw against Virginia, which was just a disaster. Um, we'll we see how 30, that, that progresses, though. We had 30 sits in Seattle, so we were getting the line a lot there. Yeah, and, and I mean, realistically, not... yeah, they're, they're not that big. We were going to be able to kind of knock them around inside, which certainly helps. Yeah, so but... we'll, we'll say we, uh, we have Cornell on – what day of the week is that this week? Wednesday. Wednesday on ACC Network Extra, a, uh, a weird, for some reason, 7.30 start. And then – Because sure, the, whatever. And then we have the reverse uh, of this weekend's – uh, football, basketball, back-to-back on Saturday. We have a basketball to football back-to-back with Bucknell and then Louisville. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Another mega thread on the uh, on the blog for everybody. Going to be tuning in. Um, speaking of football, Dan, why don't we talk a little bit about Duke uh, before we move on to the Louisville game after halftime. Um, I think you and I both entertained the idea of Syracuse winning on Saturday, even if we both ultimately picked Duke. That said, I don't think either of us saw this coming, nor did anyone else. Uh, we'll get into the caveats of this game in a sec. But 49-6, to six, um, for the first two drives in particular, the Syracuse team looked better than it has all season. Um, but I think, you know, where, where this team excelled in, on Saturday was taking advantage of a, uh, a beaten-up Duke line, um, managing to do what they could with a short field, uh, making the most out of turnover opportunities, and I think most importantly this season, given how it's gone, um, avoiding stupid penalties. Uh, only four total on the game, and two of them were in garbage time. Honestly, like I, I think outside of the passing game, and, and we really didn't need it, which I think is the biggest part, plus uh, the wind sounded like it was a really major factor in this one. Um, outside of that, uh, it's hard to find spots where we did something better than we did in this Duke game. Like I thought overall, obviously maybe you'd say overall defensively, like some of the earlier games where the offense didn't show up were more impressive Liberty. I I don't want to like compare the two opponents, but um, just like overall, I think uh, defensively it was probably our best performance. Now you could say Duke had, you know, their lineman out that was pretty impactful given how much pressure we got, but uh, you know, take that, for what it is like it was hard to find much fault with anything anyone uh on that side of the ball did and then offensively offensive line night and day from pretty much every other game like we've had some little improvements here and there the last two games or so um the veterello cervase uh swap just looked like it did both of them a world of good oh um, thank god like yeah like 
They we, we, played... I, 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 I've liked service in the past, but I've always said that he was a little bit of a weak link at center, particularly. And I'm so glad that we finally saw the swap that like figured something out because he was far, far better at tackle, like phenomenally so. And Vettorello did such a better job at center because and I know like Steve Haller might get into some of this this week um, on the blog, like, in previous games, uh, the center position and previous seasons too, really, the center position was getting blown up, um, like right at the snap. And yep. that was really what was breaking up um, plays. That was what was putting DeVito under pressure immediately. Like in this one, DeVito was rarely pressured. And and we had time to throw. I mean, he didn't really have to throw that much. When he had time to throw, like he delivered some nice balls. I think one of the last drives that he was throwing, I saw some like weirdness where he was overthrowing. I think the wind might have factored in too. But realistically, like, Davida threw some nice passes in this one and like the numbers don't show it, but like he didn't have a bad game throwing the ball. I, I think he, he, he managed the game correctly, made smart decisions. And most importantly, like capitalized on turnovers and short fields. Like I said, is that was really where SU's faltered all season and they capitalized last year. And for them to be able to, you know, turn three turnovers into 21 points um, in that third quarter really helped put this game away and re-inspire some confidence on both sides of the ball for me, at least. Yeah, no, I think, the offensive line, like, it was just so clearly the best game we've played. Like, it's not – there's no other team that's even, I think, within, like, uh, like standard deviation of this one. Um, but – and then, obviously, DeVito I didn't have a lot of pressure on him, didn't need to do a lot. The, the passes he made early in the game, the Tristan Jackson pass, um, was obviously, I think, steamed really well. But, like, he, he hit the he hit the mid plays that he needed to, to to get things rolling here. The rushing game, though, which has obviously been a struggle all year – um was incredible uh just multiple backs like exactly what we thought of like the best possible version of this rushing attack being um and i looked and i was like maybe dude's just awful at to run uh and, and the numbers for the, throughout the season are really interesting um everyone runs on them like they all try to run on them um only three teams have run less than uh less than 40 times um but overall like teams haven't had the kind of explosive success that 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 we did um, even going back to like Alabama only ran for three and a half yards of carry. Now their running game has done a lot better throughout the year, but then like just going up the schedule, it's like 4.8, 4.3, 3.2 pit pit ran for uh, 69 yards, but won the game uh, on 35 carries uh, Georgia tech, UNC 4.3, 4.6 Virginia ran and blew them out. Like we did, but uh, only went for 3.8 Notre Dame ran for 288 yards on 42 carries, pretty much identical numbers to us. We had 40, uh, 43 carries for 286 so they were at 6.9 yards per carry we were at 6.7 so it's not like a team that people have been running on all year um i don't know if we just saw what notre dame did and we kind of borrowed some stuff from them but it was kind of a similar thing where like duke does not give up a lot of passing yards i think their worst uh game was against tua which makes sense uh hopefully tua recovers as an aside that was awful um and then pit through for a very inefficient 268 yards everyone else has been like in the low 200s or 100s but uh, teams have just been kind of grinding it out against them. Um, us and Notre Dame were the only ones who have like really exploded in the running game against them. And so it wasn't like this Duke team is just hemorrhages rushing yards. Like this was uh, a legitimate great performance by our team. Yeah, you and me expressed some concern about like how good the Duke defense was kind of coming into this one, even if a little banged up. Um, obviously, like SU's rushing yards, a little influenced by uh, garbage time, like Jarvie and Howard picked up. I think almost all of those 115 yards um, in garbage time. Dwar Jordan's uh, two carries with 24 yards and a touch, also garbage time. That said, like Mo Neal w- w- was a really solid trendsetter. 
um, early on. I mean, 17 carries for 115 yards, uh, averaging 6.8, like really, really strong runs by Mo. And like, not just like, there were a couple where he was untouched, but there was a few where he was dragging people. And like, Mo's not a huge guy. So for Mo to be able to drag defenders, I think is a really good sign for what this offensive line was able to do. Um, obviously, I thought it was great when Tommy DeVito caught a pass from Taj Harris um, after Dino ran like the same exact lateral play, well, re- double reverse play. Um, and really, if DeVito had just like not juke stepped so wide, he probably would have had a 20 yard gain on a reception, which uh, which would have sent the uh, the you know we 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 really need a more athletic quarterback uh, fanboys into a frenzy. If uh, if DeVito was able to a catch a pass, something Dungey never did. Um, all Dungey, I think Dungey might have caught one of his own passes once, and then it was obviously the time that he stripped um, the interception against Miami. But yeah, Devito almost pulled off something more athletic than Eric Dungey, which was surprising. <laughs> I the, the, I don't want to like going down this road like completely, <laughs> but did, I I don't know where it was. I don't know if it was Twitter or in the in the comments on the site or the comments on Facebook. Someone literally cited that Dungey strip from the interception as something DeVito should do to win over the fans. For that. I was like, like whatever. If Tommy ran down a guy who intercepted him and stripped the ball from him, he would show like the kind of heart and fire that Eric Dungey showed us. And then people would like him more. I'm like, maybe he should just not throw the interception. <laughs> yeah, which is actually what he's been doing. Uh, DeVito <laughs> has not thrown an interception in definitely like a while i can't I, think of the last one i'm I'm gonna look this up now it's gonna make for some great radio but i don't really care uh i know he's had some fumbles in here but uh but yeah devito hasn't thrown an interception since holy cross and that was garbage time so he hasn't thrown a non-garbage time pick since clemson yeah and and like that's right around the time where like that bad rollout habit kind of broke like clemson was the last time he had that and that's really remarkable. I figured he would have had one in, in here, but he's he's been super safe with the ball. Um, he's making some big throws. Obviously, there have been like I, I'm really looking forward to see what he can do against Louisville. Louisville's defense is horrendous. Their offense is really good, and this is going to be probably a shootout. Not to jump ahead right right now, but um, I'm excited to see like if the conditions are good and he you know has a chance to to hang back there and, and sling it like this would be a game where we really see the type of Tommy DeVito numbers that we thought we might get if like we had the best case scenario of what this season would be yeah I haven't really looked at the weather for Louisville uh just yet but I think if we can get some good conditions and conditions where DeVito can actually throw I'm really excited to see what he can do with some time behind the pocket obviously like he he looked good early I think this is what I'll get in the last thing I'll say about the Duke game in particular is you know, I think we've seen the last couple of weeks now, the scripted portion of, of, of the proceedings have been great. Um, I thought SU was aggressive, smart. Um, those two straight passes to Trish and Jackson that ended up getting SU into the end zone, um, just really great plays, uh, exploited some things that Duke showed us right off the bat. Um, Tommy looked very good, again, without really being pressured to the same extent that he was. Um, what's concerning and something like Seth Goldberg and I were talking about on Twitter, and I know that um, some folks were talking about it on Slack as well, is like, what happens once you get past those first 15 plays Um, in this one, obviously like the defense played really well. And then the defense started getting us the ball back and we didn't have to worry about the script as much, but in that like middle area of the game, um, like from, you know, the entire second quarter and like the beginning part of the third, that the offense was rough. And part of that might be attributable to the win, but 
part of it is just Duke started making adjustments and we didn't have at the time adjustments um, to fight back with. So I'm a little concerned there, but you know, I mentioned during the game, like I do think that this coaching staff at least looked inside themselves a little bit and, and maybe reevaluated some of the things that they were doing. And we'll see if that was just the benefit of having two weeks to prep for Duke. Um, or if this is like some more permanent change that we're starting to see a little more aggression. I thought, you know, as he was going for it on fourth down more, I thought they were getting, I mean, the fact that they spread the ball out, um, you know, inside the five was just fantastic to me and exactly what you and I have been calling for, for months and years, um, that SU like managed to do what they did. Does it do inside the red, inside the red zone, what got you there to begin with? Um, obviously resulting in a uh, Tommy DeVito scamper into the end zone. I don't really care how you get in, um, but it seems like the only way we can get in is still QB runs. Um, I, I just think that this team looked different, and I know that there were those struggles after those first two drives uh, for a bit, so I'm concerned there. We also might not get an answer on that, though, for the rest of the season, because to be honest, Louisville's defense and Wake Forest's defense, neither of them are that good. Um, so we might be able to – I'm not going to start entertaining the – I won't entertain the six win thing until we get win number five. Um, but I, if, if this offense is going to look more aggressive the way we saw it, if this offense is going to be able to protect DeVito, uh, there's suddenly a much larger chance um, than I think we thought even, you know, three days ago. Yeah. Like we said it, I think last week when we were like trying to be optimistic, like you get by Duke, like you can win all three of these games and and even more so this week, Wake Forest, his really hit like they're playing they're they're a good team and they deserve all the credit they've gotten to this point um they've hit a hard injury bug to end the season here uh plus some really rough games that have kind of exposed them a little bit um so we're probably catching them at the end of the season at like the best possible time they don't have like you know they're obviously not going to challenge for the acc atlantic because clemson just beat them by a million um they're not going to challenge for like they're not fighting for bowl eligibility they're already there uh, same with louisville i think louisville has hits wins already right they're uh, did they beat NC State yesterday? Yeah, they're six and four. So I like yeah. that. I like that we don't have to deal with that. Um, now, so that being said, like both those teams have been better than us throughout the season, so you don't want to discount that. But um, like these are both winnable games. They're not like they're not. Uh, I wouldn't even say they're toss ups. Like they're both. You, know, you don't have to upset them. Like Louisville, even after you know we were what a ten point dog and it's Duke and blew them out. Like we're a nine point dog in Louisville, so people have kind of a similar thought there, and that's probably pretty pretty heavily impacted by how well we played it in Duke, but um yeah so it's uh it's gonna be tough but there's still there's still some light there and if we get to the to five and six after this weekend um i think the team will be really really fired up to, to to play wake forest but uh you need to get there first and that's gonna be the toughest part here agreed agreed uh we can get a little bit more into that in the second half but why don't we take a little bit of break for our sponsor Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. Uh, Dan, what have you been drinking of late? 
Uh, I've had a pretty busy beer couple uh, of days here. Um, yesterday, uh, I stopped in at George Teeley, one of the better uh, beer bars on the Upper West Side. I had uh, they, I was surprised they had uh, beer from the second largest brewery in my hometown, Lock City, which made some really good stuff. I had their OJ on Parole, which is a very, very uh, juicy IPA. Um, and then I had uh, their the Humidor Series uh, IPA from Cigar City, uh, which was delicious. And then earlier today, I made some beer runs down in Brooklyn. Uh, I went to the Threes Outpost in Greenpoint, had the Logical Conclusion, which is probably my favorite thing I've had from Threes. I'm not always you know, in love with their beer. Their, their spots are really cool. Um, this is a really, really strong IPA. And then I also had the Double Dry Hop You People, which was good. Uh, and then I went to Brooklyn for a second. I uh, had the Brooklyn Hops Heavy at Times double IPA, which is really good. And then uh, a... Uh, a limited release uh like a rosé sour that was that was fine it didn't like really it was just kind of a standard sour honestly and then i had uh, a punch brook from outsbow which was delicious probably the best thing i had today uh and then uh, a comes and doza cider from draft so a uh, pretty solid couple days here very nice uh had a lighter weekend on my end uh just because i'm gonna be up to san francisco for work this week so i was definitely gonna stop over at a couple spots up there but um, for me, had some in the pit from Pizza Port, really good IPA. Um, I was over at the Clippers game last night, so I stopped over at Yard House and had some Alpine Duet, uh, always one of my favorite beers over there. And then had uh, Sierra Nevada's uh, Haze Little Thing. Um, I realized I hadn't had it for some reason. I feel like I have like maybe the test version of it during like a beer camp series. Uh, but yeah, hadn't had this one surprise, or maybe I just didn't check into it and forgot about it. But yeah, as I said, lighter week on my end, but we'll probably have plenty more to report uh, come next week. Awesome. Yeah. I'm getting to the holiday season, which means uh, I feel like more beers, honestly, uh, oh, yeah. especially cause it's automatic. It's like it, it switched over to winter incredibly quickly this year. It's freezing out all every day. It was 88 degrees here today. <laughs> Thanks for that. I don't know that I don't think I wanted 88. I just want like I I wanted more days in like the 50s. I'm fine with days in the 50s. It's just it just gets so cold all of a sudden. We don't have fall anymore. The season just doesn't exist for reasons. Um, yeah, it just uh, it's not the best. No, honestly, we had like 60. It was like mid 60s, 70s, uh, almost every day for the last like, couple weeks, and then like this random like 88, 89 degree day, and then it's going right back down to mid 60s. <laughs> so I really don't know what the hell happened today. <laughs> Yeah, just, I mean, I, would, I mean, I, I mean, I know what the hell happened today, like in a in a broader sense. <laughs> but as far as like the the, the one day uh, anomaly, I was just confused by. Yeah, usually it's like at least a couple, but yeah, you get the random the random one day spike. I, I would definitely take a one day spike to like seventy degrees just to just to send us off. But I don't think we're gonna get that. Probably not. Um, yeah, I got plenty of uh, plenty of beer stuff going on in the, in the last two months of the year. Definitely going to grab my first six-pack of many of uh, Sierra Nevada Celebration, uh, one of my favorite holiday beers. Um, trying to do a little Black Tuesday tasting at some point with uh, with friends. I have I have every I have 2013 through 2019 uh, vintages of Black Tuesday from the brewery, plus uh, a port barrel aged. So um, so that I don't die, I'm going to try to have a bunch of people over drink those. <laughs> Cause they're all in the 19 to 21% uh, range before you factor in aging. Yeah. I, I, I love celebration. Um, when I was a much younger 
uh, beer person, I think I was still a student at SU, I decided to uh, tailgate with a pack of Celebration, which when I bought it, I didn't realize it was as dark and heavy as it is. And uh, not going to ever do that again. To sit Celebrations before a football game uh, does not sit well. That's not a Celebration at all. No. I, and, and knowing uh, what my time at Syracuse football was like uh, as a student, we probably didn't celebrate uh, on the field either. <laughs> very, very true. Um all right. Speaking of football, since we're going to stay there for the rest of the podcast now, sorry, basketball fans, there's another podcast for you, I promise. Um, Louisville and SU face off at 4 p.m. on ACC Network down in Louisville. Uh, the Cardinals are 2-2 two and two in their last four. Uh, they got smoked by Miami and then bounced back to beat a pitiful NC State team, an NC State team that we really should have beaten, but... That'll be a, its own podcast, no matter what happens. I think just like what the hell with the adjustments and why they didn't come sooner. Um, they Louisville understandably got smoked against Clemson as well, but you know, seven point win over UVA and a fourteen point win over NC State. Um, that's how they got to bowl eligibility. Like you said, defense isn't great, but the offense is pretty good. Um, I I think we can win. I just don't know if we will. Uh, I think if the defense plays the way it did. I I like our chances. I think it's, again, it's going to take a lot from this offense, though. Like, what are they going to look like after those first 15 uh, play calls or so? Um, how is this team going to be able to run the ball? Um, you know, if, if we happen to go down by, by a touchdown or 10 points or whatever, you know, can Syracuse find a way to, to battle back? Because I think that's like SU's battled, but unsuccessfully this season. The big test is going to be whether or not they can come back from a deficit. Uh, because, we, again, we, we've yet to see it, even if we've seen them, you know, fight valiantly and look better um, in the second halves of games when they're down. We haven't seen them pull one out yet. Yeah, it's it's the Louisville offense is going to be uh, a much tougher test than the Duke offense. Louisville's 38th in S&P plus offensively. Uh, I think they're like 50. They're in like the mid 50s overall. We are in the mid to low 60s. So it's not like a, we're 65. So we're right in the middle. Um, so it's not like uh you know, a crazy disadvantage, but their offense is the best unit on the field uh, pretty uh, solidly. Um, Duke, for reference, was 108th in offense. They're 39th in defense, so uh, that didn't go super well um, for them. But uh, we have uh, a a better defense than Louisville. Uh, They're very susceptible to give up points, but um, in a shootout, like, they've just been uh, pretty solid. Uh, Mikhail Cunningham has been... Uh, a bit of a revelation for them. They've uh, he has uh, 1470 yards, uh, averaging a really really good 11.8 uh, per attempt. 14 touchdowns, three picks. Uh, runs the ball a little bit, not like a huge part of his game, but he does it out there. And then they're pretty well balanced with uh, Javian Hawkins, who has over a thousand yards in the season already and is averaging over five per carry. So if the uh, if this this uh, kind of resurgence post by is for real, I think limiting. If we hold Louisville under 30 points, I think it would be a really, really good outing. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think that, you know, the big test, like we, we held um, Harrison check as a runner for the most part in the Duke game. I don't know if we'll be able to do the same with Cunningham, if only because um, while Javian Hawkins is definitely more of a scat back type, um, you know, sim- I think he's a little bit bigger than um, Deion Jackson was for Duke, but nonetheless, like definitely a quicker back. I think the, the guy who hasn't really factored in a ton um, of late for uh, for Louisville, but could be a problem for us, is Hassan Hall. Uh, bigger back for sure. He's six feet, 198 pounds. Definitely a bit of a bruiser. I know we have McKinley Williams back, which is awesome. Uh, 
awesome. And the linebackers definitely look much better against the run on Saturday for Syracuse. But like Hall is the one who could really do some damage. And like the fact that Duke didn't have a back like that, that could beat us up uh, was definitely a, a blessing, uh, especially again, like give, with Williams coming back for his first game all season. Like I'm really curious to see uh, what SU can do against him and what, and conversely what, you know, Hall can do against us because I think this is a very different rushing attack. And just because we look good against the run um, for much of Saturday uh, against Duke doesn't necessarily mean that's going to work consistently, uh, especially against bigger backs and, and, and like quicker mobile quarterbacks. So I, I agree with you. I think if SU can hold Louisville under, under 30, um, I think that's a, I think that's a pretty solid effort. I think that that also sets us up pretty well to win. Um, of course that, you know, also means the offense has, has done something. And we, as, as weird as it seems for Dino Babers team, I don't know if we can have enough faith, even against the Louisville defense that has proven itself to be pretty bad. Uh, I don't know if we can have enough faith just yet um, in this team to be able to um, say that they score the requisite, probably 28 plus um, uh, against Louisville. Since we, we've only seen SU score 28 or more uh, once in ACC play this year. Yeah, I mean, it's it's you definitely need to see more than one week of it. Obviously, we can pretend that like everything fits now. We're gonna go six and six and make a bowl and blow someone out. But um, I think we we need to get back to a, a little more evidence uh, to go with the the faith that was instilled with, uh, to us last year after the early season struggles here. Um, but if we run the ball like we did last week against what should ostensibly be a weaker rushing rush defense, uh, I think there'll be a chance. I looked up the weather. It's supposed to rain and be in the like 40s early in the day in Louisville, um, but it doesn't look like it'll be raining by four. So it's actually gonna be like 47. So it's actually not bad conditions. The feeling might be a little bit wet, but it doesn't sound like it'll be a major. When when the big question for me? Seven miles per hour. So nothing really too too crazy. Yeah, deal with that. So should be decent football weather uh, on Saturday evening. Um, for and hopefully DeVito can get things going. Uh, you mentioned McKinley Williams. I thought he played really, really well for his first game of the year um, against Duke or against, uh, yeah, against Duke. Well, it shows, I mean, it shows a lot of what you and I were saying all year is that Williams' absence had so many, like, so many more repercussions than just his, like, not being there because it was run stopping. It was the linebacker play that made them more susceptible, um, you know, to, over pursuit and just getting exploited against the pass. Um, it also lent, you know, offensive lines to be able to not focus as much on the interior, which meant putting more focus on Kendall Coleman and Alden Robinson. I mean, yes, Duke's offensive line is banged up a bit, but at the same time, like it shouldn't be a coincidence uh, that, that Coleman and Robinson, you know, were all over the place um, against Duke, you know, from the outside because Williams was back and, and attracting more attention, um, you know, in the interior part of the pass rush. Yeah. And, and Williams uh, had a half a sack. I thought he just really held up things and, and it makes a huge difference when you have the two outside rushers, which uh, obviously we saw last year and hopefully we'll see for the rest of this year. Also, it should be noted Hassan Hall, uh, former Syracuse commit. So uh, oh, yeah, I I remember of, that. yeah, a lot of people would be very happy to limit him on, on Saturday. Would be ideal. Um, I don't know if you remember the one Alton Robinson sack um, on fourth down against Duke, but that to me, I mean, I, I know plenty of people have like had their doubts about 
him this year. And I don't understand how given anything you saw last season, but if you needed more tape on him, uh, that fourth down sack where he literally just manhandled the tackle and just came around the end and crushed Harris is, is all you need to know about him as, as an NFL uh, caliber pass rusher. Yeah, obviously I think he's, you know, not struggled. It's just, he hasn't been able to run free and he's faced double teams. Uh, I think he's faced triple teams a couple times this year. It's just like, people have really focused in on him. Um, and uh, all of the the like numbers from drop places like Pro Football Focus, which obviously you know people didn't give or take, but it's it's something, and there aren't that many uh, advanced like analytical uh, things like that in the football world. Um, all those numbers have like been super high on him throughout the season, so I, I think he'll be uh, probably our highest draft pick in a couple of years once you know once we get to uh, April. Yeah, I haven't seen much first round talk of him, but he could easily play himself up there. I think right I think now he's, he's a, probably a second or third. Yeah, he feels like a rock solid day two guy. If I had to guess, like just that that explosion, he plays the run probably better than he gets credit for. He gets he has like a nose for the quarterback. Um, and with you know NFL pass rushers as they are, I could see a team drafting him to play in the three four on the uh, kind of stand up. Like I could see him doing a lot of different things in the league. Plus. It uh, doesn't hurt that uh, Chandler Jones, who is a very similar build, similar player, probably a little bigger, uh, obviously played for a different coaching staff. But the fact that he uh, is is out here, like basically been the best pass rusher in football for four years now, that certainly doesn't hurt the uh, the reputation. Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I think, too, like if I'm looking at, you know, other day two guys for SU, you know, your your Dyshawn Davis, Jay Bromley types, like not to knock either of those guys, but I think Robinson's a much better prospect. <laughs> Yeah, like probably, I think probably is he still in the league? I think he's, and I think he's practice squad this year at yeah. best. Robinson was a was a better, more dynamic player. I think probably was really good for what he was, but Robinson's like an all conference type guy. So yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's uh, like a solid like third or fourth round pick for sure. Agreed. Um, so I guess we talked a little bit about this game, Dan. What a what are you predicting here? Uh, are, are you willing to go out on the limb and 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 get SU to win number five with uh, with one week to go? Uh, I'm not quite that confident. I'm going to go just mostly because this one's on the road, and I think uh, Louisville's just been really consistent, really well coached. Satterfield's probably done one of the better coaching jobs in all of college football this year, getting them to the point they're at after basically inheriting what looked like a pretty hollowed-out program. From Bobby Petrino. Um, I'm going to go uh, a pretty high scoring game. I'll go Louisville uh, 38, Syracuse 34. Yeah, I, as much as I want to pick Syracuse, because like I, I, I'm a huge Dino fan, I really do think that he like instilled some real confidence or should instilled some real confidence in his team um, over the course of that bye week and with the Duke game. I think that a lot of these kids have kind of been woken up. I mean, seeing guys like Cordy and, uh, and Chris Frederick, guys who like struggled mightily. Um, over the course of the season, really kind of come in strong um, against Duke, I think was, was to me, looked like there was a major wake-up calls dealt um, top to bottom on the roster. At the same time, though, I do think that, like, Louisville is in a situation where at this point, like, him, Louisville and Satterfield are playing with house money. There's there's just the fact that they have been so resurgent. They've been so good on offense. Um, it's going to come down to which defense uh, can slow down the other team. And, and I just feel like Louisville's offense has shown us a hell of a lot more this year than Syracuse's has. Again, weird to say for a Dino team, but I, I'm seeing something like 37, 31 
um, in favor of Louisville. Uh, I think SU, depending on where the line goes, SU can end up covering, um, but falling a little short. So that's a bummer. It doesn't mean bowl hopes are 100% over. It really depends on what else happens. Um, well, A, if SU can get to a fifth win, and B, uh, what else happens above us. But I'm uh, unfortunately, I'm going to have to pick against Syracuse uh, yet again in this game because I just think – I just think Louisville is, it has played far too well this year to let this game uh, trip them up when they potentially, I mean, I don't think it would take a lot for them to get to the orange bowl, but it's not entirely out of the question just yet. You, you, it's, you would have expected, we, I think we all expected Louisville to be like around the ACC basement this year, just because of how bad they looked last year and what it seemed like Satterfield was uh, taking over a team that just basically gave up last year. Like that game against us was not that like we weren't really good and didn't deserve to win by a bunch. But that was a pretty embarrassing effort um, on their part. And that wasn't the only game like that. So he's done an incredible job. Um, but because we didn't bring it up, like, specifically, I think Babers deserves a lot of credit for how the team came out this week. Um, you see teams in touch ball, like, fold. Like, it's – it's you, there are teams that are pretty clearly quit in the season. And at four and six, obviously, our bowl hopes weren't extinguished. But uh, this team entered with – uh, a much higher, uh, much higher hopes than that. Uh, so the fact that they kind of rallied around, you know, the situation, even, you know, after Ward got fired and like, there was obviously a lot of upheaval, evil. And, and as you said, like guys like Frederick and Cordy, who haven't had the best seasons came out, looked much better than they have almost all year. And, and another team, uh, I think you would turn out flat. And even if they like win that game, they win it, you know, maybe just, just holding on to, uh, to a narrow lead and Syracuse team out looked like they, they were having something to prove and wanted to, to make sure we all knew this wasn't like a total collapse of a team at the end of the year. So um, I think Babers does deserve a lot of credit for that. And and if he can get this team to a bowl somehow, um, obviously it won't be like exactly what we had hoped, but I think uh, sits and sits with like a, you know, three and O to end the year and got back to a bowl and really had some, some, impressive turnaround post by when their bats were against the wall is something you can be proud of. So hopefully we, we keep it rolling. Yeah. I mean, realistically, if this team can get can somehow get to six and six, um, I would say I wouldn't call it Baber's best coaching job because I obviously had plenty of critiques for him at the beginning of this season. Um, but I would think it's an impressive coaching job. I think it's one that, you know what, if you go six and six, and even if you lose your bowl game, if you can go six and six after starting three and six, um, I consider that a potentially a better sell to recruits than like a seven and five season that ends seven and six after a Gasparilla bowl loss to like Temple. Yeah, it's just like within context, like you, we we brought up that we, Babers hadn't really had this situation in his career. Like he's, he's pretty much built something up won pretty well year one, won a lot year two at his first two stops, and then moved on and had just kind of done that. He had taken a program that was at a low place. He brought it up to a really good place, and then he just made the jump. And this year uh, was a brand-new situation for him as a head coach where he got the team into the place where it wanted to go, and then instead of obviously jumping, he uh, stayed and basically took on like some pretty serious adversity this year. And the fact that, you know, he he clearly has gotten the team to react to a bad situation uh, last week is, is impressive. And then if he can kind of build on it, even if it falls short of a bowl, if he if we get another win here and finish five and seven from, you know, I think a lot of us were resigned to three and nine, even if we don't want to admit, admit it, you know, going into uh, the bye. Um, there's something to be proud of there as long as like you then translate that progress into the offseason but a bowl is still a realistic goal um 
more way more so than we thought it was entering last weekend and or this past weekend and uh something that we should still strive for here so uh it's 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 out there for us we just need to put together a really strong defensive performance and hopefully uh this offense can can replicate what it did on the ground and it probably needs to be a little more balanced but that's okay we it's this certainly isn't a like a, a game that we can't win i was looking at fpi and fpi is like 33 percent. i assume s&p plus is relatively similar actually might be a little more beneficial to us but uh it's it's not like a, a you know a toss-up by any means but it's not a game that we're just like this huge underdog in either so yeah i mean i don't think we're gonna be a huge underdog in either the last two games even if we might be in vegas um, I do feel like the actual on-field product might indicate something else. I think, you know, we, we've said this all year, like SU wasn't the, as bad as the bad we've seen this year. Um, and maybe they weren't as good as we saw last year. The truth was somewhere in the middle. Um, if this team is that team in the middle for the rest of the season, that's a team that could potentially win two more um, to, to go bowling. So I'm, I'm optimistic. I think we saw a different Dino Babers and a different staff um, in this game, I thought that the team played wire to wire against Duke, which is not something they've done all year where they just looked focused on both. I mean, the defense too, like really like played through the final whistle um, with, with a ton of, again, a ton of discipline, like get ahead um, a couple of like kind of garbage time penalties, but realistically, like, you know, you, you had two penalties before garbage time. Like that's great for any team. That's especially great for a team that has been the most penalized team in the country. Um, I just felt like, again, the effort, um, the fact that SU was making, you know, big stops as Duke was just trying to like drive to save some face at the end of the game. And, and, and they were still managing to make stops and big tackles and like, not just, not just resting on the fact that they were up by 43 at one point. Like I, I, I really like what I saw. And again, I really like what I saw from this staff and, you know, the, the big thing is going to be what happens to the offense after the first 15 plays. Cause if, if SU can show a better pulse, after the first 15 against Louisville, then I, I suddenly like our odds a hell of a lot more. Um, I, I hope that I don't regret all of this optimism. Um, again, I'm still picking SU to lose this game, but that said, I, I would, I would not be surprised if they won. And if they win uh, against uh, Louisville, then this becomes a very exciting, uh, you know, final week of the season. Um, I think on a much different way than the last time we were five and six heading into the, the final game. <laughs> Yeah. Was the last time not the BC game? Oh, yeah, you're right. Never mind. BC, uh, BC, no, and even, to be honest, even, even that game, like, we didn't have very high hopes going into that one. No, we were. BC I was, was a game. good team that year. I, yeah, I think BC was like, were they like eight and three or something in that game? They were like, they were. They were B, BC was seven and five. And what were they? I thought they were seven and four going into that one. And like they've be been right. ranked a little bit because that was, Everybody. I think it was a Dazio's first team, but it was a really senior heavy team that like we, like everybody kind of knew going into the year that even though they sucked previously, that like Adazio was inheriting like 18, like 18 starters and like all they needed was like actual coaching to win. Yeah. So it was Adazio's first team. And it's interesting. They had just, they started the year kind of slow. They were three and four and they ripped up four straight wins. They beat Vatek. They, a random midseason team at New Mexico State, which, uh, how did that happen? And then NC State, and then they beat Maryland. Syracuse level Maryland. scheduling. Yeah, and New Mexico State on the road on November 9th. What? What are you doing? Yeah, like Why that. would you do that? Um, That's yeah, a Herm Frazier shit. <laughs> they didn't even get, like, they didn't even get a payout for it. They just, like, went one-on-one. Um, yeah, so they were they were 7-4, and four, and they had just won four straight. So they were rolling. 
Um, who's their running back? That uh, the running back who got drafted by the Giants, who wasn't actually good in the NFL. Uh, Andre Williams. Andre Williams, who we I think got injured early in the game, and then the Syracuse yeah, D because he'd run like forty times a game all season. Yeah, and then the the throwback pass to end the game that was like one of the most thrilling. And this is like it's kind of sad to say because it was like us trying to sniff out a bowl game um, under Scott Schaefer, but like that was legitimately one of the most thrilling games I ever attended at the Dome. I was watching the end of that on my phone while like at some Christmas like like holiday parade on Long Island. And like we slipped into like a like pub, like right like some like random like you know your typical like Long Island like Irish bar that every single town has, um, <laughs> and like slipped in and like happened to see that game end, and then like within minutes happened to see the Auburn Alabama finish. Yeah, the the Auburn Alabama finish. I think I walked into uh, Fagan's maybe two plays before that and saw that happen because I, I think I went down to varsity and then I went to offer to, to see the end of that. And like, I had no context for what had happened in that game to that point, And then saw the kick sits within five minutes of me walking to Fagan's. I was like, I don't know what's happening in college football today. Yeah, it was a blast. I, I I spent most of my day out. So I was like following things on my phone and like watching parts of the games on my phone. But yeah, that was, that was a very memorable, like random Saturday night in, in November for me. <laughs> I had a great time. I had to do, like chase my friend around all the bars in Marshall Street that he was tempted in kicked out of. So uh, that was the the year after I graduated. So good time. Actually, two years after. So very good times. Very good memories of that that season in which I had season tickets and went to a bunch of games, even though I don't live anywhere near Syracuse. Very nice. Very nice. Um, Dan, I think that's it for me. Uh, if you have anything else to add this week. No, I think we covered everything. Uh, nice to be back in the swing of, of the two-sport season. Nice for the football season not to be, like, over-over. Um, always did have something to root for in November. So let's, uh, let's do one more and, and, and get us to, the, to a really dramatic final week of the season if we can. Yeah, honestly, I've, like, forgotten what football wins felt like. Um, so it was weird. But I'll take it. I, I enjoy Saturdays like that. Um, why don't we get another? Yeah, I'll, I'll take a win over Louisville just because, and you know what? Like, I, I mean, I don't want this to happen, but even if we go five and seven and like by losing to Wake Forest, like I can, I can deal with that because at least the team fought. Oh yeah. And like, like I, that's something you can sell. You can sell like, Hey, we played a lot harder down the stretch. We got some people back from injury. We figured some things out. Um, wasn't like the season we wanted, but there are still like, you could see, the signs and like where things could be going. You could, you, I, I wouldn't be super, I wouldn't be worried about the future of the program. If like, if we came out and like had a, a strong finish to the season, but just kind of was in too big of a hole. Like, I think you can, you can find the the silver lining there much more easily than if we had finished three and nine, even if we weren't going to like freak out too much over a, a lost season. So yeah, there, there's, there's still uh, plenty of optimism to be had here. All of a sudden, uh, just needed one big game, even if it wasn't against like a huge premier opponent to, to get there. Agreed. Agreed. Um, on that note, that was Dan. I'm John. Thank you everyone for listening to Troy Noons and absolute podcast. Great review. Subscribe on iTunes, on megaphone, on Spotify, uh, overcast, tune in stitcher, wherever and go orange. Go orange. <laughs>